Well, good morning again. As we continue this series through 1 Peter, I'm excited to share with you um, this talk, the script for unfairness. The script for unfairness. Who hasn't, or how many of you have been ripped off? How many of you have been treated unfairly in, in your life? Uh, maybe you, you bought a used car, and it turned out to be a lemon. In fact, you put more money into it than what it was, than what it was worth. You got ripped off. You got taken advantage of by the car dealer. This weekend, Friday to be exact, I did something that I said I would never, ever, ever, ever do. I bought a minivan. <laughs> not, <laughs> not the most exciting thing, not the most exciting moment of my life, but five years later in marriage, two kids, it was time. We bought a minivan. And one of the fears that I have is that I'm going to put more work into it. I bought a used car, so I'm, I'm afraid that I got ripped off, that I bought a lemon, that I'm going to put more money into it. That's a fear, because that's happened to me. I remember when I was 16, my parents said to save for your car, so um, I saved up $1,500, and in Grand Rapids, Michigan, there's this street that all the lemons go to, I guess, and I knew what I was going to get myself into, and I bought this car, and six months later, we spent another $1,500 in putting it into it. Then six months after that, we put another $1,500 into it. I should have just bought a car for $5,000 and called it even, but no, we bought a lemon. We only had was $1,500. I can see some of you are shaking your head. You relate to that. You got ripped off. You were taken advantage of. Or maybe you stayed up late one night. Maybe you, don't have, you didn't get any rest because you have two kids and your three-month-old was crying, and you went downstairs to, to rock them, speaking from personal experience, and you turn on the TV, and there's an infomercial. And you look at this product that they're selling, and you're thinking, if I just spend three easy payments of $49, and I spend the $30 on shipping and handling, it'll come two weeks later, my life will become so much more simple. My life will begin to make sense. And so you pick up the phone, you dial the number, and you Give them your credit card, and the product comes two weeks later, and guess what? It's not all that it was cracked up to be. You were ripped off. You were taken advantage of. They caught you in a moment of weakness, <laughs> and you bought it. Those things are easy to get over. If you really think about it, those things are fairly easy to get over. One of what's hard to get over is when you're attacked, when you suffer unfair treatment at the hands of another, when you suffer in a personal way. It's easy to get over buying a used car. It's, it's easy to, to get over uh, buying that product from the infomercial, that gadget, but it's real difficult to get over something in your life where you suffer at the hands of someone else. And Peter's going to talk to us this morning about what to do, how to overcome unfair treatment. What do you do when you're persecuted? What do you do when you're being treated in an unfair way? Look at your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. And before we get there, I just want to set the stage for this. It's Peter's not telling people um, what to do when everything is going right. Peter's not telling uh, these, these people what to do when their life is easy. Peter tells this group of believers what to do when unfairness strikes in the midst of chaos. These people have been kicked out of their homes. These people have lost all affinity with their loved ones, with their friends. 
They're suffering cruel punishment and cruel persecution at the hands of an insane ruler, Nero. Many of their friends have died. Many of them have been put to death. And Peter has the audacity to say, hey, here's what you do when you're facing persecution. Here's what you do when you're faced with unfairness. Well, we'll look, look at the text. Look at what he says in verse, verse 12, verse 13. He says, for the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he's appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish um, accusations against you. For you are free, yet you're God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God, respect the king. You who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if you're kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course, you get no credit, absolutely no credit at all, um, for being patient if you're beating for doing wrong. I mean, that's what happens. You do bad, you receive punishment. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, for doing nothing at all, just being a good person, and you still suffer persecution, you still suffer mistreatment, Peter says that God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you, he's your example. And you have to follow, you must follow in his steps. The example is he never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate even when he was insulted. He didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we're healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you've turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Now you return to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Let's pray together. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Have your way in this hour. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, all of us have a story to tell of being mistreated, of unfair treatment. All of us can look back. When I say suffer or persecution, probably something flashed in your mind, an experience in your life that, that came back where you suffered an unfair treatment. I don't know what it was. I don't know what you dealt with. But when you think about that, when that flashes in front of, your, in front of your eyes, there's three common reactions that we all kind of deal with. There's three common reactions that are prevalent in our culture. When you deal with uncertainty, when you deal with frustration, with anxiety or with insecurity, when it comes to the suffering aspect, there's three types of patterns. Number one is this. It's the aggressive pattern. It's when we are mistreated, when we're unfairly persecuted, we become aggressive. We're going to do whatever it takes to make this person pay. We're going to do whatever it takes to bring revenge. It begins with resentment. It leads to action, revenge, and it leads really to destruction. One of the most popular TV shows on TV, on TV right now is, is a show Revenge. Many of you are shaking your head. You, you understand. That's the story of a girl 
who's trying to get back at this family for totally mistreating her and making false accusations against her father. The whole story is based about this girl getting back at this family. And we're all cheering. We all hope that this family pays. It's this aggressive pattern that's common. Also, another behavior that's, that's prevalent is this passive pattern. Tons of anger in this one as well. But this is where we, we don't tap into that as much as we, we, we live life with the shades drawn. We have been hurt, so now we're going to totally remove ourselves. We're not going to open up to anyone. We're not going to allow anyone else to do that to us. So we live this passive life. But the reality is, is we tell everyone around us, hey, I'm living a passive life. Because of what happened to me, I'm not going to open myself up again. And there's just tons of anger, tons of hurt in this behavior as well. And then there's the holding pattern. The holding pattern. If I had to put myself in a pattern, this would be it. We, we don't want to tap into that. We don't want to go there, so we keep it at arm's length. We understand that we have hurt and we've been mistreated, we've been persecuted, but if I can just keep it here and keep it in its box, I don't have to deal with it, then I'm good to go. And this pattern is destructive as well. You never deal with the issue. Those are the three common patterns that we deal with. This is the interesting thing. Not one of these common patterns today that we deal with persecution, that we deal with unfair treatment, is mentioned in 1 Peter. Peter doesn't say, you know what a really good thing to do is when you're persecuted, to become aggressive. (laughs) He doesn't tell us that. He doesn't say, you know, when you're treated poorly, you suffer persecution, you should live this passive life. You should totally withdraw. You should totally remove yourself. And he doesn't tell us to withhold. He doesn't say, hey, I know that's there and, and never deal with it. In fact, he tells us something that's so contradictory to what our culture is telling us to do. Ready for this? Peter tells us that when we're faced with persecution, when we're faced with um, unfair treatment, there's one thing we need to do, and that's to submit. Just at the word submit, that sent shivers up and down my spine. I don't know about you, because submission is something that that we really talk about. Last year, our pastor did a, did a full series on this word of submission. And you know what he called it? He called it the S word. Because submission has the weight of a curse word in our culture. We never want to talk about it. We never want to deal with it. When people say to submit to your boss or to submit to your spouse, both ways, husbands and, and wives submitting to each other, we, we, we want to give it the Heisman. We want to keep it at arm's length. We don't ever want to deal with it. We know better. We know best. We're going to give it the stiff arm and, and do our own thing. We don't like to tap in to submission. Here, here's the thing. All of us are going to suffer. All of us are going to deal with unfair treatment in our life. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And many of you have already dealt with it. And when we suffer, when we deal with unfair persecution, unfair treatment, Peter tells us to submit. Submission literally means to appoint to order to arrange ourselves under. Uh, how crazy would I look? This is an umbrella. Nothing fancy about this. This is just a normal umbrella. And I'm not, I'm not going to have bad luck for opening this in a room, I promise. How crazy would I look? We've had a lot of rain this, this season. If I was downtown Fishers or downtown Carmel, walking down the street, my wife likes to antique, so we go to the antique shops and look for vintagey things to put in our house. If... 
I was downtown and doing my family, and I was walking downtown, and it was raining, the hail was coming, I was drenched, and just walking downtown like this. Not, no one underneath, just hanging out. What would you think? See, that guy is crazy. And if you knew who I was, there's no way you would tell your friends, he's a pastor at Heartland Church. You should come with me this weekend. But no one would come here. But here's what we do with authority. That God has an authority structure over us, but we know best. We know right, and we keep it at arm's length. We never get under the things that God has put over us. In authority, listen to this, authority is about getting under the things that God has placed over us so we can get over the things that he wants to place under us. We can't get over some things in, his li- in our life if we're not willing to submit to what he has for us. It's about submitting, getting ourselves under the authority structure. Jared, there is no way that I can do that. You have no idea the kind of persecution that I've dealt with. You have no idea the type of mistreatment that I've experienced in my life. You're right. I don't. I'm not going to tell you that I do. But if you want to go to the next area in your life, and and you're here because I believe you do, if you want to go to that next area in your life, the next level, it's about submission. It's about getting under the things that God has placed over you. Not because it makes sense, not because it's easy, but because it's the will of God for your life. All right, Jared, I guess I can begin to see the submission aspect. But I mean, but what's the benefit? I mean, why, how can I even do this? How does this even begin to make sense? I'm going to shock you with this. The only way that we're able to submit, the only way that we're able to get under God's authority structure is because of the freedom that we have in Christ. Because of the freedom that we have in Christ. Look at, look at the text. Look at verse 15. He says, It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you're free, yet you're God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. Love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. The principle that Peter is is getting to, it it comes to the surface here. It says, hey, the only way that you're able to submit is because of the freedom that you experience, because of the freedom that you have in Christ. The reality is, is we don't have to submit. We don't have to align ourselves under what God has placed over us. That's not really the issue. But the issue is if you want to go to the next level in your life, if you want to live the abundant life that God has called us to live, it requires us to get under the things that he's placed over us. When we submit, it silences the foolishness of men. It's like a muzzle. The word there is a muzzle. It silences. It it literally quiets the bark of those who are persecuting you. When you submit, when you align yourself under what God has placed over you, even though it's painful, even though it doesn't make any sense, it quiets those who are ignorant. It quiets those who are persecuting you. So when we submit because of the freedom that we have in Christ, because we want to go to the next level, because salvation isn't just about eternity, and thank God that it is, but it's also about experiencing the best life that we have available to us now, 
we have to align ourselves under what God has placed over us. It's getting under his authority structure. It silences the foolishness of men. He uses the example of a slave in verse verse 18, or 15, I'm sorry, 16, says, for you're free, yet you're God's slaves. When he said slaves in this culture, people automatically assumed the worst, right? That you have nothing. That when the master tells you to do something, you do it. You don't argue, you don't, uh, well, uh, you do it, or guess what? Off you go. Never to be seen again. And that's kind of the picture here. That you're God's slave. You're to be obedient to what he asks us to do. And being submissive is the will of God for your life. It's going to take you to that next area. It's going to take you to that next place in your life. It's easier said than done. I totally understand that. But here's what I hear. I believe that God has really good plans for me. I believe that God has a future beyond anything that I could ever imagine. But when I begin to say, well, do you believe that he calls us to submit? Oh, well, I don't know about that. Submission to authority, submission to God's plan for your life is rooted. That's the base. That's the foundation to the abundant life that God's called you to live. You can't get over what he wants to place under you until you first get under what he's already placed over you. Well, Jared, I can't wait until I'm the boss. I can't wait until I can make that person pay. I can't wait until I can have my way all the time. I'm going to tell you something. In God's economy of authority, I just don't see how he's ever going to grant authority to you when you can't get under what he's already placed over you. This is a process, right? This is God's economy of structure, how he works. We get under first what 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 he's already placed over us before we can ever get over the things that he wants to place under us. God's authority structure. We do it because of the freedom that we have in Christ. Yeah, the world's not going to understand. Yeah, people around us are going to think that we're strange. Hey, you should be aggressive. Hey, you should be passive. You shouldn't even deal with that. Submitting isn't going to make any sense. But it's the life, the abundant life that God has called us, called us to live. All right, Jared, I hear you. Submission. And when we do it, we live this abundant life, the freedom that we have in Christ, But I mean, what what is this aspect here that he says about this this extra amount of grace? Look what he says in verse 18. He goes, you who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect. You do what they tell you, not only if they're kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. Here's, Here's the reality. It's not really submission when it's easy. It's not really submission when there's nothing to submit to. But submission comes into play when it's difficult, when it doesn't make sense. It's difficult when you have to give your rights over to someone else. It's hard. See, no credits do a person when it's easy. But credit comes, favor with God comes when you suffer unfairly for doing, for doing right. Let's pick it up. He says, verse 20, of course you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Here's this idea of extra credit. How many of you, like me, were so thankful in high school or college for extra credit? 
I played basketball and my grades were just good enough to play basketball. Um, not because I was um, slow or not because I didn't, sh- sh- you know, try or, yeah, that's because I didn't, it's because I didn't try. Not because I couldn't handle the, the workload. It's, I played basketball and that's all I cared about. And Monday morning, I would get over the intercom. They would call the names. I went to a small, a smaller school and they would call the names of the people who um, needed eligibility check, which means your grade average was a C or, or, or lower. And every once in a while, my name would come on, Jared Moore, please report to the office for eligibility check. I mean, how humiliating is that, right? <laughs> there, there goes Jared. When the teacher would come in, especially in math class, he would say, okay, today you do this assignment, extra credit is coming your way. I'm like, oh, thank God. I can now do the extra credit work when I didn't do the real work and I can still skate by. I can still now pass this class. Extra credit got me through. How many of you today are in some of some extra grace? You just are going through one of those times in your life where, man, you just don't see how you're going to get through. You're going to take the walk of shame. You're beaten up. You've really been discouraged, being persecuted. When you suffer unfairly, when you suffer for doing right, Peter says, hold on, hold on. Extra grace is coming your way. The extra amount of grace to get by, that extra favor of the Lord is going to be poured out upon you. I think of John in Revelation 3. He said this. He said, because you kept my word with passionate patience, I'll keep you safe in a time of testing. Because you were obedient to what I've asked you to be, because you aligned yourself under my authority structure, because you put yourself in a place of submission, I will keep you safe in a time of testing. I don't know what issue you're dealing with today. I don't know the kind of persecution you're facing. But when we align ourselves under God's authority structure, grace will be poured out upon us. An extra credit of grace. So how do we do this? How do we submit? And what's the script for submission? There's two quick things, and it's right out of the example that Peter gives us of Jesus. Jesus, who suffered the most unfair treatment that anyone has ever suffered. Peter uh, tells us of Jesus, who went to the cross, who bore our shame, who bore our sin for doing nothing, living a perfect life, but yet he was falsely accused, yet people scorched him and they humiliated him. He gives us the example of Jesus of how we're to live, how we're to submit. And number one, it's this. We submit by trusting the outcome to God's plan. By trusting the outcome to God's plan. Look at verse 22. This is what he says. He never sinned. Jesus never sinned. He never deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. He didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. Those are the common things. That's, that's the things that are flesh. Those are the things that, that come natural to us. But he didn't do any of that. This is what he did. He, he left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. We're to entrust the outcome of our life to God, even when we're being treated unfair, even when we're being persecuted. If you're like me, it's a hard thing. I'm a control guy. 
I like to create margin in my life so nothing bad happens to me. So if anything was to happen, I'm okay. I have enough margin in just about everything, in relationships and finances, just to make sure that nothing was to happen, that I could handle anything that comes my way. But that's really not trusting God in the outcome. That's trusting in myself, that I'm smart enough to figure this out. It's really this idea of prying your fingers off of the steering wheel and allowing him to direct it and to control it. Trusting him in the outcome of your life and being okay that if, hey, this persecution in my life, if this mistreatment, if this unfairness is about your glory being rooted, being taking root in my life and your glory being revealed, then I'm okay with it. It's a really, really hard place to come to that. It's a really difficult place to be like, it's okay. I'm gonna suffer if that's what you want for me. I'm gonna face persecution if that's what you want for me. Peter says, hey, if we're to live this life of submission, if we're to understand what it means to get over this unfairness, we have to trust the outcome to God's plans. Maybe you've heard this story. If not, then you'll hear it. Horatio Spafford, a wealthy Chicago lawyer, was a thriving um, lawyer. His practice was just going amazing in Chicago. Just the, the height of the height. Tons of money, tons of wealth, huge notoriety. He had a wife, four daughters, and a son. He and his wife suffered the tragic loss of their son in 1871. And shortly after his son passed away, the great Chicago fire came and destroyed all of his wealth. All of his real estate holdings, the investment properties, everything was gone. Suffering unfairness. After a year of just picking up the pieces, he sent his wife and his four daughters to England to get away, just to go back and and visit some friends and family, just to renew themselves. And while they were on the boat, on the trip, their ship collided with another ship and all four of his daughters drowned. His wife was the only survivor. Seven days later, Horatio received word that his family had passed away. And with a heavy heart, Spafford boarded a boat that would take him to his grieving wife in England. It was on this trip that he penned those now famous words. And right at the place where they assumed that that the boat went down, Horatio penned these words, if you know it. It says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, and they're going to come. Peter will tell us later, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. It's a normal part of life. Trials are going to come. Mistreatment's going to happen. Though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Friends, we have to come to a place. I want you to get this. We have to come to a place in our life where we're more concerned about the glory of God being on display than whether or not we should submit 
to a boss who's a jerk. Whether or not, and we begin to justify whether or not we should submit to something that makes us a little bit uncomfortable. It's about the glory of God. Charles Swindoll, um, on this passage, said, when's the last time you took one on the chin for the glory of God? It's a good question. It's about submitting, trusting the outcome to God, knowing that he has it all figured out. He's the puzzle maker. He will put the pieces where they should go. Trust the outcome to God. Number two, if we're going to live this life of submission, we have to live this selfless life. We have to live this selfless life. Look at verse 24. Peter continues through the Old Testament. He says, he personally carried our sins, talking about Jesus, and his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we're healed. What a picture of a selfless life. In in the original here, this word wounds is actually singular. By his wound. And Jesus' body was so mangled and so beaten that it literally looked just like one big wound. Unrecognizable. Couldn't tell um, his face beaten so badly. He says he did all this. He carried our sin that we can be free. He carried our sin so we can have the new life. Jesus was the perfect example of what a selfless life is like. And we have to come to that place and be like, okay, even though this is going to be hard and I'm going to make room for other people, I'm going to begin to live my life for others. When we begin to live our life for others and live this life and stop making it all about ourselves, begin to peel back the onions, uh, the, the, the onion that, of who we are, our persona, we begin, or the, our problems begin to diminish. When you're plugged into a small group, when you begin to experience life together, when you begin to care for one another, the problem that you walked in that night isn't as great when you begin to surround yourself with other people when you begin to give of yourself, when you begin to pray for others, when you begin to understand, hey, maybe my problem's not as bad. Because it's not about us. It's about other people. And Jesus was the perfect example that he gave of everything for you and for me. That's the example that we live by, to give of ourself for the benefit of others. So if we're to live this selfless life, if we're to live this life where we totally trust God with the outcome of everything that we are. I mean, that's, that's okay, Jared. I understand that's what I should do, but you know, I, I'm, tomorrow morning, I'm still going to walk in to my boss. <laughs> I'm still going to go home and, and deal with this issue. I'm still going to be treated unfairly. I mean, wh- where's, where's the comfort in that? If you look at verse 25, here's some really good news for you as we close. It says, once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you've turned to your shepherd, the great shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Once you were like sheep who wandered away. You can't do anything about that. It's who, it's who we are. But once we submit, once we get under God's authority structure in our life, once we put him first, but now you've turned to the shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Submission causes us to return to the shepherd who will fight our fight. When we go to the shepherd, 
He protects us. He guides us. He comforts us. He loves us. Even when we're faced with persecution, even when the circumstance that we're faced with seems unbearable to do it alone, when we submit, we return ourselves to the shepherd for his protection. This is some really good news for you. You don't have to fight your fight alone. There is a shepherd who will fight your fight for you. Regardless of the persecution that you're faced with, regardless of the circumstance that you find yourself in, there is a shepherd who will guide you, there is a shepherd who will comfort you, and there is a shepherd who will protect you. Because here's what authority is. Authority is not about dominance. It's not. It's about protection. When we get under God's authority structure, when we align ourselves under what he has for us, then and only then will we be able to get over the things that he wants to do in our life. I believe this is speaking to someone this morning who just is on that verge. Okay, Jared, I hear what you're saying, but you just don't know what I'm going through. Let me tell you this. There's a shepherd who knows your tears. There's a shepherd who knows exactly what you're dealing with, and he wants to care for you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to guide you. And here's the thing that you have to do this morning. You have to submit. You have to get under what he's placed over you so you can get over the things that he wants to place under you. Do you believe that this morning? Do you receive that? God has a plan for you, a path for you, more than you could ever imagine. It, it, it'll boggle your mind. But it begins with a simple act of obedience, the will of God, to submit our life to his. Let's pray together. God, you are working in hearts, you're working in lives. You're working in mind right now. This passage is heavy. This passage is, is thick and it is uncomfortable. It's not easy. No one's going to walk out of this room and say, yeah, it's easy to do. <laughs> it's hard. So we're going to need your strength. We're going to need your grace as we desire to be a people of submission, to align ourselves under your authority. We can't do it alone. Give us your grace. Give us your power. I pray for the person in the room right now who's never really given their life to you to begin with. They don't know what this is all about. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I believe there's someone in the room this morning or many, many people in the room who first just need to commit their life to Christ. Submission begins and ends with a personal relationship with Jesus. You can't do this life of submission alone. You need Jesus inside of you to fill you, to give you the strength and the grace to do it. And this morning, in the quietness of this room, I want to give you the opportunity to commit your life to Christ. All you have to do is say, is say Jesus, as simply as I know how, I submit myself to you. I believe that you died, you're buried, and you rose again, and you're more than enough for me. I submit myself, my desires, my will to you. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I believe you are now a Christian. Jesus has come in and taken root in your life. That's the launch pad. That's the starting point for this life of submission. 
in just a few moments, we're going to have some prayer partners that will be down front. I would encourage you to come and, and grab them and let them know of this decision that you've made. Also, if, if this is an issue in your life, this, this difficulty, this persecution that you're facing, we don't want to leave you this morning alone. We want you to come and pray with someone and, and grab someone by the hand and let them know of what's going on in your life. We want to walk this journey with you. It's too difficult to do alone. We care for you. We love you. We want to comfort you today. Lord, have your way in this place. Have your work in these dear people. We submit to you this morning. In your name we pray, amen, amen.